our Bibles and turn if we could to Galatians chapter 5 tonight here. This is our, about our 20th message throughout this, these uh, Wednesday nights throughout this entire year. And we've preaching a series of messages on living in liberty. And we've looked at chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. And now we're in chapter 5, of course. Uh, I don't think I'll take time to review what we've, where we've been. But I do want to start off in chapter 5 in way of review by uh, looking at verse number 1. It is our text verse of the chapter that we've chosen. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Great verse. And its sister verse is verse number 13. You shouldn't read verse 1 without reading verse 13, because the conclusion statement is, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Verse 13 is also a transitional verse in the fact that it's going from a uh, tra- positional righteousness is buttressed in the entire book of Galatians as we have, we're saved by grace alone plus nothing, and we have positional righteousness in Christ Jesus, but uh, we turn to practical righteousness as we're going to find out from verses 15 or verses 13 on to the end of the book, of course, but uh, verse 15 for time's sake here, I'm going to let you remain seated in, in, in uh Read, but let's read responsibly as our custom is. Allow me to read the odd-numbered verses. Would you please read with me the even-numbered verses through verse number 26. Galatians chapter 5, verses 15. Envies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are of Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the flesh, let us also walk in the flesh. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. And we want to look at the subject of liberty, not bondage. We want to look at the positional or practical righteousness that should protrude from our positional position in Christ Jesus, of course. Uh, it would follow then in this book here, by the way, for the last time or as we move forward here, the first five and a half chapters are dealing with this positional righteousness that we're saved by, by grace alone through faith plus nothing. And that... Uh, but what follows, starting in verse 13 in the rest of the book, is buttress is not our basis for our salvation, but the way that we should live as a result of our salvation. And so it's talking about practical righteousness. And so we want to look, first of all, this evening at the flesh and the spirit, a conflict, the conflict that goes on. We have a real conflict, verses 16 to 18. Uh, we ended uh, three weeks ago, last time we looked at these serious messages on verse number 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. And then he says, verse number 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's a conflict between the f- flesh and the Spirit. And any Christian who is interested in producing truly good works in his life finds himself caught in a real battle. There's the fill-in-the-blank word. We're in a battle. Bunyan called it a holy war. We're in a battle between right and wrong. 
It's a real battle. We're in a battle where we're not, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against angels and principalities and spiritual, and spiritual high places. We have a real battle. It's an unseen battle in many cases, but it's, it's a real battle. And it's a holy war for sure. And there is a right and a wrong. We talked about it Sunday morning about the absolutes, that God has set a final standard. And the Word of God gives us these, this, paints this picture of this, this conflict that we have, this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And so we look at verse number 16 again as we start to dissect these verses. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. And so notice letter A on the worksheet here, uh, uh, the method of, uh, a method for conflict. The Bible says walk in the Spirit. It means, what's that phrase mean? It means allowing, uh, means allowing Him to dominate in our everyday lives. We are not to walk by the flesh. Many Christians try to walk by the flesh. I've tried that many times. It doesn't work. The arm of flesh will fail you. We can't walk in our own strength. We don't have the power within ourselves. Paul said, I know that sin within me, that's within me, is dwells no good thing. We have a spiritual warfare. We can't fight a spiritual warfare with, a, with our flesh. We have to walk in the spirit. We have to be indwelt by the spirit. Now, we have the, when do we get the spirit of God? Talk to me. We get the spirit of God when we get what? Saved, okay, when we get the Spirit of God, we're indwelt by the Spirit, and the Jesus says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so we, we're indwelt by the Spirit, but we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God, can't we? Ephesians tells us that. We can quench the Holy Spirit of God. We can never lose the Spirit of God, but we can, be, uh, we can grieve him. And we have to walk in the Spirit. Sometimes we walk away from the Spirit, or we quench the Spirit, we grieve the Spirit. But the Bible says walk in the Spirit. This is... Picture us, another way of saying this, if we go to First John chapter 2 and 3, we spent a lot of time there a year ago in a series of messages, but in First John 2 and 3, it talks about uh, if we walk with, with the Lord, uh, when we walk with him, we don't sin. When we, when we walk away from him, we, the Bible says, he that's born of God does not commit sin. In the spirit, we don't commit sin. But when we walk outside of the spirit, Walk in our own will and our own, our own wisdom and our own strength. We're going to fall every single time. And so the verse says, verse number 16, This I say then, here's the command, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And there's lust of the flesh, and there's the, the pride of life, the, 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 the pride of the, uh, the, the uh, 1 John 2, 15 and 16. There's uh, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the... Uh, let's see. I can't quote it all of a sudden. I thought I could quote it. Help me out here. First uh, John two fifteen. Well, how's that start off? Somebody help me out. First John two fifteen. Oh, come on! Everybody knows this. Where you're supposed to know this. <laughs> What's it say then? First John two fifteen. Love not the world. Thank you. Neither the things that are in the world. You know this, right? If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. There it is. I couldn't get it out. I had to say the whole verses and to get it out. It's not of the Father, but of the world. And so we had this conflict. And the only way that we can win in this conflict, this holy war, this battle between right and wrong, is to walk in his spirit, to let the spirit dominate our lives every day. And not just daily, but moment by moment. Then we get to verse number 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. Isn't that the truth? And so we see the meaning of the conflict. The flesh lusteth against the spirit. Let's define the flesh if we could. 
The flesh represents not just our, the, the meat on our bones, if you will, the blood flowing through our body, of course, but the flesh represents our depraved nature, which is declined towards evil. Prone to wander, the songwriter said, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. I don't know about you, but I fight my flesh like every day in my life. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the flesh is worse against the spirit. The flesh is, uh, is evil. We, it, it's, it's, uh, it's desirous of, uh, of sloth. It's desirous of a uh, tendency to uh, take the, the path of least resistance. It's the, the, the most enjoyable path, path, of course. Now the spirit, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit. Notice it's capital S there, by the way. And the reference is, of course, to the Holy Spirit of God. And, uh, but that spirit that lives within us, that's why we have to walk in his spirit. And the spirit against the flesh, the next verse says. And so this word pneumatos in the Greek language for the rec- record, and this, this spirit. But the spirit is, uh, is the spirit, the once spiritually dead spirit that is regenerated. There's the key word I want you to write down. That is regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God at the point of the new birth. Now, backing up to the depraved nature, in fact, let's turn, let's take, let's take a couple minutes here and turn if we could. Let's go to Romans chapter 7 real quickly. I want you to see these verses. Our preacher, Sunday night, uh, Brother McGee, uh, he referenced these verses. Romans 7, I'd like to read verses 14 all the way through 25, but for time's sake, we'll just spot read verse number 18. Look at that. There's a... There's a, there's a war between our depraved flesh and our spiritual being. And uh, we see these eyes here in verse number. Some of the eyes are Saul of Tarsus, and some of the eyes are Paul of the apostle, the saved, the new man. It says in verse number 18, For I know, Paul says, For I know, that's I, Paul, that in me, that's I, Saul, that is in my flesh, that's, that's Saul again, the old nature, the old man, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. I want to do right, Paul says. But how to perform that which is good, I find, I, Saul, find not. This holy battle, this holy war between Saul and Paul in Paul's case, or Saul's case, now Paul. Uh, there's the un- unsaved Marty shot, and there's the saved Marty shot. I, uh, sometimes I lapse back into my unsaved uh, mode and so do you and we see this domination of the flesh when we slip back into the flesh but then we go let's go back for to check Galatians 5 again here and look at verse number it says walk in the spirit is, and we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh the it's not in your worksheet but I just want to give you in fact I couldn't come up with a word on Sunday I was upset at myself but uh there's a belief of those that believe that we're dichotomist, dichotomy, or there's a dualism, or dichotomist, that we're body and soul, body and soul spirit. Body is your, we know what the body is, that's easy, that's our flesh. The soul, that's our personality, that's our, who we really are, that's our inner nature, of course. Well, there's a d- big debate, and if you go to theology, you go to seminary, or you go to Bible college, whatever, you'll probably get into, when you get into the meat of some serious doctrines, you'll, you'll, have, you'll find out there's a big debate among theologians between dichotomist and trichotomist. Now, First Thessalonians, in fact, somebody turn there and get First Thessalonians 5.23 and read that for us, please. In fact, somebody get John, give me two hands, 
First Thessalonians 5.23, somebody quickly march, and then somebody get ready, John 4.23 and 24. I, I don't make a big deal of it, I, uh, there, but there's a lot of uh, opinion, strong opinion on whether man is a dichotomist being or a trichotomist being. I, I believe quite strongly that certainly after salvation, we're definitely trichotomists. We, 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 have a, we, are, we are another way of saying it, we are, we are a tripartite being. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23, somebody nice loud read that for us, please. All right, well, God is a tripartite God, right? We, we, we're not monotheists, we're Trinitarians. One God manifested in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. For that reason, that reason alone, I think that's enough ammunition, the biblical uh, buttressing of theology to say that we are created in the image of God, that God created us in the, as a tripartite being with body, soul, and spirit. The, the differentiation between the soul and the spirit, the soul is our personality who we are, but that spirit is our spiritual part of us that connects with God, of course. In fact, John 4, 23 and 24, please. Did I get that verse? 20, did I get that to somebody to read? John 4, 23 and 24? Go ahead, Tim. All right, so let's go back. You say, Preacher, how'd you get off on that tangent? I didn't really get off on the tangent. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, Corinthians tells us. The natural man cannot fight. For an unsafe person to try to walk the Christian life, it's an impossibility. They, they can have an outward facade, an outward show. But their spirit is dead. There needs to be a regeneration that takes place, that regenerating power that happens in the new birth. Some reconcile the difference between trichotomists and dichotomists by this. Before we're saved, we're, uh, uh, we're, we have two, two, two parts of our being. We have body and soul. But when, after we get saved, we have body, soul, and spirit. I prefer to believe that we have body, soul, and spirit all along, but the spirit is dead in the unsaved person. And so just a, maybe it seems like a minor point in some ways it is, but uh, you cannot fight a spiritual battle without the Spirit of God in you, of course. And so that's what these verses are teaching. So we see the meaning of the conflict, verse 17. The method of the conflict, verse 16. We need to walk in the Spirit. Verse 18, let's hurry along here, back to Galatians 5, pressing forward. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Notice that it's a matter of control, this, this conflict between the flesh and the Spirit. It's a matter of control. The entire treatise of Galatians is that Christians are to submit to the Spirit, not, and we put it in capitals on purpose, not to the law. And that's works legalism. That's, again, that's a legalistic mindset that we are, we, we, we obey, we're afraid of the law. No, we're in love with the Spirit. We have the Spirit of God in us. We're in love with the Lord. The love of Christ constraineth us, Corinthians says. We do not because we're afraid to get whacked over the head uh, if we we'll disobey the law. But we, obey the, we submit to the 
the walking in the spirit, not walking in the law, because remember, Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believeth. Where is that found in the Bible? Who can give me the verse here? Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believeth. Anybody know where that's found at? It's Romans 10, verse 4, for the record. And, and, uh, and then we see in Galatians chapter 2, I do not frustrate the grace of God. In fact, turn there, just one. I can quote it to you, but it's better if you see it. Uh, last verse of chapter 2. I do not frustrate the grace of God, or com complicate or pervert or pollute the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So the Bible is trying to teach us back in Galatians 5, 16 to 18 here that we don't walk, now that we're saved, when we're in the spirit, we don't walk according to the do's and don'ts of the law. We walk according to the, 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 the leading of the spirit of God in our life. If we, we led in the spirit, we will not, there's, against such, the Bible says back in Galatians 5, against such there is no law. Um, we're referring to verse number 23 at the end of the fruits of the Spirit. Such, against such there is no law. So we see this it's a matter of control. This, the, the debate is between the Spirit and the law. We walk righteously because we want to please Him, not because we're worried about uh, being judged by the law. Now we get to the flesh and the spirit. Notice the comparison, verses 19 to 23, and that's actually verses 19 through 21. That's all we're going to have time for tonight. But notice, if you would please, verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh. This is the first catalog, if you will, the second catalog of uh, the works of the spirit that we'll get to, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks from now. And we know that list. We like that list a lot more than we like this list that plagues us. So we notice the comparisons between the the first catalog, this first list and the second list, first of all, letter A, the involvements of the flesh. There's actually 17 sins that are now rapid-fire listed here. They're in four categories for the record. There's 17, and it's a non-exhaustive list because the Bible ends in verse 21 by saying, and such, uh, they, or pardon me, it says, uh, uh, and such like, excuse me, yeah, pardon me, the middle part of verse number 21, the enemies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. So this is not an exhaustive list, but let's look at the list just quickly, real quickly here. Verse, the 17, list of 17 of these sins of the flesh are, made, are manifested with these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, Wraths, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, and revelings, and such like. We have a list of 17. By the way, they're all in the plural for the record. Uh, some of them are the, the, the idolatry, for example. It's really idolatries, if you will, but it's idolatry in all of its form, different variants, and so forth. Same with adultery in all of its... Uh, different ways and so forth. And so the first, there's, there's four different classes of these works of the flesh. First of all, there's the sins of sensual passions. That includes the first four. And these are all progressive, by the way. And these, each of these four uh, lists or four categories, they're all progressive in nature. For example, the first one here, again, is the word adultery. Well, we usually know what adultery means, of course. We don't need to hardly explain that, but... It can refer to a single act, a single act. 
Normally we differentiate between adultery and fornication where the one is within the bonds of marriage, one is without, outside the bonds of marriage. And that's, that can be true, but adultery can be a single act. The Lord says if a man looks upon a woman with a lust in his heart, he's committed adultery already with her. And so we have this adulterous act. It's just a single act. Wherefore, whosoever keeps the whole law and yet offended at one point, he is guilty of all. One man in this room, and uh, I don't even need to fill in the rest of that, that, that blank here. It's not been guilty in, in, our, in our minds. And uh, ladies, close your ears right now, but I'm just talking to other men for a moment. Uh, and so we're, we're guilty in this. In, this, in the flesh, we, we're, 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 we're condemned for sure. But it's, it's a single act. For the word fornication, it's the Greek word, you know it too, pornania. You know where we get from that, of course. It's, uh, we get our word pornography from, of course, or pornographic, what have you. And it's, it's talking about habitual acts, progressive. If you want to verse 1 Corinthians 6.18, Bible says, uh, flee fornication. Uh, the Bible says it destroys your body. It's adults here. I guess I can get a little bit more blunt than normal here tonight here. But uh, I was listening to talk radio the other day, and uh, the STDs, they call them, the acronym for, you know what that stands for, of course. And that's, it's uh, rampant out in California, especially Southern California and, and Hawaii. I thought that, I thought that was really interesting. Well, what do you think of when you think of Southern California and Hawaii? Well, first of all, there's warm weather. People don't wear clothes as much as they wear. And uh, just, I'm just being honest. I know it's blunt and maybe as a preacher that's terrible to say. It's true. And the, 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 the STDs are, are rampant in those areas. And it's, the, Bible, the Bible tells us it's a penalty for, for fornication, pornania. It's the habitual acts. Uh, repetitive and over and over again in varied forms. And the third of these sensual passion sins is that of uncleanness. It has to do with sexual impurity in thoughts or deeds. There's all kinds of ways, and I don't need to be graphic, and I don't need to even, even to let your mind wander because it just very easily, I think everybody, every adult knows what it uh, means to be uncleanness and unclean thoughts. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The thoughts are acted out upon. Where the, first of all, we, first we, David looked down and he saw Bathsheba and he thought. First he sinned in his mind and then he sinned with his body. And so we see this uncleanness. Then, then uh, the word lasciviousness. There's a word that we don't use very much in our English language. And it's the Bible word, it seems like for sure. But lasciviousness, what's the difference between uh, uh, uncleanness and lasciviousness? And again, it's progressive. It means more bold and abandoned. It's outward. It's uh, not ashamed, as Jeremiah, if you want to verse Jeremiah 6, verse number 15. Uh, when they committed abomination, they were, neither were they ashamed. And the Bible talks about, and Paul talks about, don't even talk about those things that are, that, that, uh, that, that are done, and we should be ashamed to even speak about them. But I... And I just allude to the fact that just, just, just even on the internet, just on the web page, just seeing, just seeing things through these Hollywood actresses and actors and so forth, and the wickedness that just, they're, they're, they flaunt their sin now. They're, they're not even ashamed about it. In fact, they're proud about it. It goes from uncleanness to lasciviousness. And so you're, you're bold in your sin. So this, this, the next list is that of the first four are those of sins of sensual passion. The next uh, two 
or sins of unlawful spiritual activity. First of all, the Bible says adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Verse 20, idolatry. We say, well, we don't have a problem with idolatry. We're not Catholics around here. We don't, we don't have our idols. We don't have our, make our, our, our St. Jude uh, or St. Bonaventure or take your pick, your favorite saint uh, uh, icon on your dashboard of your car. Or we don't have a upside down, we're marrying an upside down bathtub on our front lawn. And, you know, I could, we could have a little fun with that, but it's really not fun, funny at all, really. But uh, it, idolatry has to do with the service of false gods. And more, more expanded, more maybe more uh, complete definition of idolatry from a biblical sense is anything that anything we place before God is idolatry. The second of the commandments, of course. Now, it's, by the way, it's not the second of the commandments. I'm talking about referring to the Ten Commandments. We have them out there in our foyer. I've got critiqued about that before, by the way. That's another story. So we, why do you have Ten Commandments out there? We're not under the law. Well, I think there's, I think there's uh, some. Uh, principle to live by out there for sure but uh, getting back on track the, the second commandment thou shalt not make it any engraving images that's not part of the Catholic Ten Commandments did you know that the Catholics take the last commandment to co- thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's uh, wife or, or, or his, his, his ox and they, they divide uh, the tenth commandment into two and eliminate the second commandment of idolatry, and they put it in the first list of, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And so we see this, but uh, idolatry is anything we put before God. And uh, God has first place in our lives. And uh, it's supposed to, uh, I just wrote down some examples. Uh, how, how do Christians commit adultery today? Uh, idolatry, rather, t- today. Hey, it's Wednesday night. I can give you some specific examples. I, I was watching, uh, I, I, yes, I love college football. I don't care for, for pro football. I like college football. So I was watching a little bit of, uh, of uh, Penn State and uh, Michigan State on Sunday night. 110,000 people at Happy Valley, they call it, all in white. And it's pretty, pretty impressive to watch. And uh, uh, I was like, these people, they're, 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 they're in religion. They love their in that case, their, 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 their Penn State football team, they love them. And they, they wouldn't think about missing a game, and they'll pay big money, money to get there and so forth. And you think of all these stadiums all across America on Sunday and Saturday filled with hundreds of thousands of people cheering on their, their, their fanatics. They love, and then I, you say, preacher, we're getting way off tangent. It's Wednesday night, I just say it. How many Christians do we lose on Sunday nights and Sundays during football season uh, uh, because they're, I, they love their patriots more than they love their, their, their father God. And uh, anything we put before God, it's an idolatry. I'm starting to preach here, and we've got to get back to teaching now. I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm teasing with you. But uh, idolatry. Then, then the second of these unlawful spiritual activities, and it's progressive, is that of witchcraft. That's fellowshipping in satanic influence. That's going right into the devil's house, if you will, devil's backyard, devil's, right into the devil's domain, and embracing spiritual uh, uh, sp- uh, spiritual energies in, in a dark places, whether it be palm reading or fortune telling or what have you, or, or, carrot, uh, or uh, tarot cards, whatever they're called, 
and people delve into these things here. When I was a kid, I remember uh, going to my aunt's and we had a Ouija board. I don't know if anybody ever played, and of course we didn't know any better and we remember just trying to make that Ouija board. We were deviling, we, we were delving into the occult and we didn't know, we kind of almost smiled and laughed about that, but it's serious. And uh, people give themselves over to these things here. Number three here, sins against brotherly love. There's nine of them. Notice the first one here. We'll try to do this rapid fire, I guess. The first sin against brotherly love is that of hatred. That's the, the root of the rest. Now, hatred is the opposite of what? Love. God is what? God is love. The Bible tells us that over and over again. And he, he, for God so loved the world that he gave. God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He is love. Satan is, if God is love, Satan is hate. And this is obviously a work of the flesh, not a work of the spirit. It's hatred. And then we see these, it's again progressive for the third time here as we go through this, this list of sins. From hatred, we have the, the next step of hatred. The first step of hatred is variance. It's a, it's, variance is a form of strife a form of strife stemming from the love of self-interest or promotion. Why do we have strife in our lives? Because we're trying to one-up somebody else or we, we, we wanna, we're not getting our reward, our due reward. Somebody else is getting more than we're getting or getting attention and we're not. It leads to variance and strife, jealousies. Emulation, a little bit stronger word, it means jealous rivalry, strong self-assertion. Philippians 2.3, the Bible says, Let each esteem other better than themselves. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. And uh, some of you are at work, and of course, uh, the proverbial ladder climbing at work. You know, somebody, somebody's always out to get your job or step over the top of you, or, or uh, maybe you're guilty of, uh, of emulations and variance and strife and jealousies and so forth. Then the next word is the word wrath. Again, it's wraths, plural for the record, variances, wrath in all of its form. It's the passionate way in which strife expresses itself. The passionate ways in which strife expresses itself. Uh, it's the acting out, in other words, the, the outward manifestation of emulation and variance. It starts in the heart. You start getting jealous in your heart. You start start building rivalry and start getting worked up and so forth. And then it turns into wrath and you start to outward express this strife. And then it goes to strife. This, the word strife itself refers to plots, plans, or campaigns. You start getting uh, churches, are, churches are divided. The church at Corinth was full of strife and division and envyings. And they were primed for a church split because people were, they wanted their way, they wanted their their uh, desires to be fulfilled. And they started building campaigns like political parties. Hey, you know, the preacher said this, or that, this, uh, this person, this lady said this, and uh, she's doing this and so forth. And it's not right. I think we need to address this. And you start building coalitions. The next word is the word sedition. The strife is the word campaigns, if you fill in the word with campaigns. And then sedition is... Disruption, splits, and separations. Uh, let me preach for 10 seconds here. In fact, you know what? 
I'll do better than that. I'm going to just put my little squiggly here. We'll end with a couple thoughts here and be done here tonight. Here we'll finish this up, Lord willing, in a couple weeks from now. But uh, the Bible speaks about separation straight from Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God, and he divided the light from the darkness. We see separation all the way through the Bible. I was reading in Psalm, Matthew 24 and 25, that God's going to divide the wheat from the tares, the sheep from the goats. There's going to be eternal division between the saved and the unsaved, between heaven and hell for all eternity. God's all about separation. He's holy. He's not unclean. He's love. He's not hate. So there's division. There's separation. But the same Bible that teaches separation teaches unity, teaches the, 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 the negative side, the, the dark side of separation, if you will. And uh, we are to love the brethren, and we are to... Uh, our churches are separating from one another. We have uh, folks, and it's so sad, but uh, one thing goes wrong at the house of God and people are out of here. It's happened in our church. It's happened in every church since the time of, uh, since the beginning of the New Testament age. Strifes and divisions, separations. It all stems from not the work of the flesh, but the work, work of the spirit, rather, but the work of the flesh. The, the walking in wrath, walking in hatred as opposed to love. Bible says, let brotherly love continue. We've got to work on our love thing. Greater peace are they that love that love, nothing shall offend them. When we get mad, we get upset, we get full of variance and, and hatred and emulations and wrath and strife, you know we're not walking in the spirit. We're walking in the flesh. And then we see her- heresies. Let me, it's rapid fire. Let me finish the last two of these at this third section. Heresies, that's... The permanent schisms uh, forming opposing organizations. Permanent schisms is the key word. And then murders, that's the most extreme form of hatred. That, that's the culmination of, uh, uh, of a hateful heart. It leads to ends in murder. Well, let's bow for a word of prayer here tonight here. And let's not walk according to the flesh, but let's walk according to the, the spirit. Heavenly Father, Lord, in our flesh, we, we can't walk in your spirit. In our flesh, we can't, Lord, uh, see the fruits of the Spirit manifested. Lord, I know that it is in my flesh dwells no good thing. Lord, uh, to will is present, but how to perform that which I uh, were to do, Lord, I find not, not in my flesh. We have to walk with your Spirit, dear God. We have to walk in love one with another. Lord, give us your Spirit. May we walk meekly, dear God. And I pray you bless as we close out our service tonight in May you be honored and glorified, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's take our hymn book. Let's turn to page.